You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hello and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. And thank you for coming back this week. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I have no words already. I'm done. I don't I don't know that I'm going to contribute much to this conversation today. I can't. That's not correct at all. <laughs> I think the best part is I couldn't get out of the last conversation very well because I was like books and authors and sometimes there are words and they go on pages and whatever. And I was like, oh, that's it's not my fighter moment so and now I can't get into the conversation but here we are yeah here we are once again this week we're going to talk about Scotty and the secret history of Hollywood this was on Hulu at least that's where I watched it yeah me too yeah it was done in 2017 it's an hour and 38 minutes long and it was directed by Matt Turnauer now a bit of a disclaimer this should not be watched around children you probably, I don't know, maybe shouldn't listen to this around children. I think that's probably for the best anyway, because we say fuck a lot. <laughs> yeah. I went into this thinking that this was going to be more like the book that he wrote. And it was more mm-hmm. about him than the stories that he told in the book, right? So, yes. This was based off a book in theory. He wrote a book called Full Service, My Adventures in Hollywood and the Secret Sex Lives of the Stars. Mm -hmm. And I assumed that this would kind of be about those stories. But yeah, it was it was more about him and his life and what he did. And Mm -hmm. there was some stories about, you know, old Hollywood sprinkled in. Yeah, it was definitely from his perspective. And I mean... So this is about Scotty Bowers mm-hmm. or George Bowers, as he's occasionally called throughout this thing. He's a procurer of things for the Hollywood stars and business people and whatnot. But mm-hmm. the book was really kind of framed from the Hollywood perspective. And the story is really wild. Mm-hmm. He, you know, kind of got cracking because he answered an ad to be a mechanic at a gas station. And then he met the right guy and got invited to a pool party and then just fell right into this. So, right. So the story that he tells, mm-hmm. and this is this is true. I mean, there are multiple people who are like, "Yep, this is absolutely true." Yes. Yeah. He worked at a gas station, mm-hmm. and I don't know if at some point he owned the gas station or not, or managed it. I thought, yeah, that they mentioned eventually that he owned it too, but then they never really revisited that. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. So we'll we'll assume that he he owned it at some point in time, but he did sex work himself out of this gas station, like people would come in, he would meet them, he would go have sex with them or do whatever. But then he ended up recruiting others, men and women Mm -hmm. to do sex work as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the clientele were like high end movie stars of the time. This is like the forties, the fifties and Mm sixties. So he wrote this book to kind of tell these stories. Now that these people are no longer here, right? He didn't Mm -hmm. want to tarnish the reputations while they were alive. And there is some argument about he shouldn't have outed anyone even after death. Yes. Which I get. I get. There's family. There's, I don't know. I would like to think there's so much less of a stigma Mm -hmm. about being gay or bi or whatever Mm -hmm. now that knowing these people were just human 
mm-hmm. is okay, but it's not my story to tell. It's not, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I think it's really interesting because you're right. There was some controversy, but the controversy seemed to come from the fans who read the book. It yeah. did not seem, or they did not frame it as coming from families of these people, or mm-hmm. it seems like in the documentary, he goes and talks to the people who were involved with this, whether they were what I'm going to call hustlers, because yes. that's what he called them. That's what they called themselves, right? As yes. the sex yeah. workers, they refer to themselves as hustlers. Yes. So he goes and talks to um, some of the guys that he worked with or kind of recruited into this, however you want to say that. And they seem to be big fans of his. Like, mm-hmm. this was a great deal for them. And all of it is true. And this was very accepted. It doesn't really seem that there was a lot of stigma mm-hmm. around it or these people at the time. Right. Like, everybody knew what everybody was doing in this little close community really is sort of how they're putting Mm -hmm. it out there. Like he's saying they wouldn't be embarrassed because Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with being gay, which is really admirable. I mean, so Scotty, I will say seems like the most comfortable in his skin. Mm -hmm. He is not ashamed of anything he has ever done. Right. Which is kind of refreshing if I'm being honest. I mean, it's just so nice to see somebody who's like, yep, I did a lot of shit. It was crazy, but I don't feel bad about any of it. And I shouldn't feel bad about any of it because I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I really, I really did dig him. Like, what a character. He was very crass. Yes. When he's discussing some of the sex acts or encounters with people, it, it, it's extremely blunt. And, and that's fine. I mean, that was his life and this mm-hmm. is his story. You can tell it however he wants. It's just for you yeah. to be aware of. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's get into this. He discusses sure. that after World War II. Mm-hmm. A lot of people moved into the cities for work, right? They, they got out of the farms or whatever. And he was in World War II. He served, mm-hmm. what, three years during World War II as a Marine? Yes. Saw some horrible battles. Yeah. As I'm pretty sure most people did that were in the war. Yeah. Yep. So he decides to move to Hollywood when he is done with the war. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he goes to this gas station, which was just a gas station. Mm-hmm. But he starts working there and Walter Pidgeon, I would say walks in, but he drove in, right? Get gas. <laughs> yep. He sees Scotty there and I, they have a lot of pictures and he was mm-hmm. really pretty. He was lovely. Yeah. And, you know, this gentleman's like, well, you're too pretty to be here. Why don't you come hang out and go swimming at my pool? And he was like, all right. And he gets in the car. <laughs> they go to the, He goes to their house where they, they end up having sex, which is. Which is fine. I didn't know who Walter Pigeon was. Did you? No, I did not. I'm not that well versed on old Hollywood stuff, but he's very famous. I mean, but yeah, I thought that was, this is a story of the most beautiful people you've ever seen. Right. All boning each other is basically what's going on here. Yeah. And this is what, 1945-ish, right? Yeah. And this is, uh, I love how they discuss that. When Hollywood first came out, and this is a little bit later, but they say when Hollywood Mm -hmm. first became a big thing, it was like so liberal, just debauchery Mm -hmm. everywhere. Everyone sleep with everyone, no marriage. They didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And then they decided that's not a good look for us. Mm -hmm. In the 1930s, they had the production code, which were rules of morality, Mm -hmm. right? And they started writing these morality clauses into people's contracts. Yep. So these stars that were contracted at the time 
I think how it worked is you belong to a studio, right? You did everything for that studio. You had a contract with that studio. You did right. whatever they asked. So if you were gay, you could not be openly. Mm-hmm. They didn't care what you did. They didn't want anyone else to know what you did. It's kind of what it came right. down to. So you had to maintain a public persona that you were like sort of wholesome and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you could do that, they didn't really care what you were doing privately. Right. Um, Cause it seems like, it was quite a dichotomy between like people were doing whatever the way they wanted, but also, you know, they presented such a way in public that the fans weren't too rocked by whatever, you know, right. you know, whatever money could buy, I guess. The comment they made is they wanted Hollywood stars to look like everyone else and be like everyday people. And I thought, well, that's pretty fucking rich because everyone else was hiding themselves too at that time. Right. Everyone had to hide because of this goddamn morality bullshit back then. So I guess in that fact, they did look like everyone else. Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, like, we've heard the stories about Judy Garland and, like, they worked her so hard. You know, she had to have pills to keep up with it, like, to sleep mm-hmm. and to, you know, get up and get going again. And, like, so to me, this is sort of the same story in just a kind of a different light is that they mm-hmm. owned you. You really didn't have a lot of choices. And you had to do what they said if you wanted to work. Right. Which is really, really terrifying. It is. So this all had to be done in secret, right? Mm-hmm. After Walter Pigeon, Edwin B. Willis, who was apparently a sec director for, like, he'd won Oscars for it. Yep. Just amazing. Every every movie had his sets on it. Mm-hmm. He hears about it and starts sending other people to the station to mm-hmm. have these interactions with Scotty. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where he's like, he calls him tricks. So we'll call him tricks. He's doing tricks with these yep. people. And he's like, listen, there were so many. I just could not do it all myself. <laughs> listen, and you kind of think, I, I'm thinking yeah. as a woman, you could, you, you could do it all day. I'm not saying it's desirable to do it all day, but it's a lot mm-hmm. less effort on a woman's part. I mean, yeah. Than a man who has to perform. You know what I mean? It just seems like um, a whole lot worse for a yeah. man to have to do it that often. Yeah, I mean, it, what an interesting problem to have, right? So yeah, right. it's laughable. Like, you, you're like, how on earth? But he was popular, right. and people were pleased. And so they wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, this little business grew. So he got a hold of some people that he knew that mm-hmm. he thought, well, you have the right look, and you are young, and stuff like that. So, you know, he kind of talks about there were guys that really blossomed that's probably the wrong way to say that but they were guys you know who were happy to do this right Mm -hmm. and then there were guys who like tried it once or twice and were like and it's not really for me so right you know there was a lot of cooperation it was like he felt like he was providing people an opportunity and like I said he taught they talked to a couple of the guys and they seemed to be you know think of things fondly it wasn't you know it wasn't a pimp situation yes. right so yes. that was what i found the most interesting is that he mm-hmm. is providing a service he's recruiting people to do these things mm-hmm. for other people he's allowing people to live as themselves freely for a short period of time because yes. in in the world they have to wear a mask all the time and here they can yep. take it off mm-hmm. but also he never took money from them all the money they made they kept mm-hmm. he was just providing introductions and whatever happened, happened. So it, he was friends with both the people that he worked with and his clientele, for lack of a better word. He was friends sure. with everyone. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a Madam Pimp brothel type situation. It was just a bunch of people who were enjoying a lifestyle they weren't allowed to enjoy. 
Right. Folks that were like-minded, right? People who were interested in this transaction. And it seems to have been in a healthy way. Yeah. They did have some, like, it grew in some interesting ways as if there was like a trailer that was available (laughs) behind the station at one point. The best part of that is that the owner of the trailer was paying to have it parked there and then said, use it whenever you want. So he was getting... Scotty was getting $50 a month to have the trailer there and then getting to use it for free and making money that way too. It was like, yes, a windfall, just that trailer. Yes. So it was like a safe space for them to use, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And then they also had somebody that had a motel and the motel had vacancies. And so they were able to kind of leverage that into the business as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it kind of, there was a lot of demand, right? There was, this was a a niche that hadn't been filled yet, mm-hmm. if you want to say it like that. So they kind of took advantage. Yeah. And like you said, everyone speaks very fondly of it. Yes. It was not a bad situation. Everyone was happy with the arrangement, and that's what yeah. makes it good. Yeah. Right? You did not get the sense that anybody felt taken advantage of. Right. And he gets together with these old friends and they're like holding hands and like reflecting on it. So, and it's such positive energy mm-hmm. and it's so sweet. It is. You know what I mean? Like as crass as this dude is, like right. he seems to be a genuinely nice dude. Oh my gosh. So loyal. And so, and yes. that's what he said. There were several times that, you know, people tried to pay him to tell the stories and out people and whatnot. And he wouldn't take the money no matter how much they paid him. His loyalty was to these people and that you don't see very often, especially in Hollywood. He charged $20 a session, right? Right. Which would be equivalent of about $300 now. Okay. So that's pretty good when you think about it. Because you think just 20 bucks doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you think, okay, 300 bucks for an hour or something is pretty good. Right. And that was sort of the standard fee for everybody, it seems Mm -hmm. like. It was 20 bucks for whatever you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And everybody did the same thing. So I thought that was cool to have those kinds of expectations set forth mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Yeah. And again, everyone got to keep their mm-hmm. money. So. Yeah. Okay. When do you want to get into his childhood stuff? Oh, that's a, yeah, we can, we can do that. Okay. I was just going to say, you know, you're talking about the money. He was raised in the depression. He talks about being on the farm. There's not a lot of money that can be made. Mm-hmm. He seems to have found sex work pretty early. Very in life, mm-hmm. he does not seem to feel that he was taken advantage of. Although I think nowadays we would, it's frowned upon, right? I mean, it's not a great situation, yeah. even though he seems to have come out of it again with a favorable outlook rather than feeling like he was taken Damaged. advantage of. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff about him and money to me comes from that mindset of like, I have enough. I don't need to get like crazy rich. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that that's part of that not being as interested in selling people out for money or right. whatever. I just, I think maybe that's a piece of him and maybe that's where he learned that. So yeah, he does seem to speak like that a few times. They talk about money. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? Every little bit is a little bit more and it's fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. And I mean, he, he had some people in his life that helped him out along the mm-hmm. way. Right. But anyway. Yeah, the stuff about his childhood is difficult. It is. So he talks about having, a, you know, he has an older brother and a younger sister. They're all like two years apart. Mm-hmm. And he has, they have neighbors that also have kids. And he talks about, well, the father of the neighbor, mm-hmm. let me rephrase that. 
the neighbor's adult man, so he was the father of the kids, used to do sexual things to him when he was pretty young. I'm going to say under 10. Mm-hmm. But he didn't see anything wrong with it, and he got money out of it, and he felt like he was the one getting out of it ahead. I'm glad that for him it wasn't a negative experience, and it wasn't harmful, and it doesn't seem to have damaged Traumatized him. Traumatized Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the hard part about listening to him talk about it is, for him, it seems like it's okay for anybody to do that. So just because you survived doesn't mean other people would fare as well, right? Well, I think, again, that feeds into the fact, like, he doesn't feel ashamed of anything he's ever done. Mm -hmm. That is probably fairly uncommon. You know, we can talk about this is a repressed society, and there's all kinds of things. But, I mean, I would think it's probably fair to say that there are few individuals who are as comfortable with their sexuality Mm -hmm. as this gentleman. Right. He doesn't fit himself into any... He's not gay. He's not straight. He's not bi. He just... He will do anything with anybody. Mm-hmm. He's just not a label. Right. He, and he seems to genuinely enjoy sex and sex work. And that mm-hmm. I think is rare as well. A lot of people I think ha- feel like an obligation to get into it because mm-hmm. they need money or they need whatever. Yep. But to hear someone who genuinely enjoyed it and the people that he worked with genuinely enjoyed it. And that's positive. Right. But yeah, he discusses going, they moved to Chicago mm-hmm. Him and his family moved to Chicago mm-hmm. and very quickly he got involved doing tricks with priests and all their friends. The best part about that is one, it was okay. It was his choice, mm-hmm. but he was getting paid with, <laughs> with the like offering money. So the money yeah, that you I put in the little too. offering trade then was paying off a young child for sex acts. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Are any of us surprised? No, not even a little bit. No. Like I said, it almost seems too, too outlandish to be true, mm-hmm. but If his book is true, I really think this guy just happened to be in the right place at the right time to do the thing that he was Mm -hmm. best at. I mean, that seems like a weird way to say that, too. But, like, he genuinely was a person who just found a profession that he really enjoyed. It worked out well for him. Yeah. Hey, they showed pictures of him naked. He seemed to be fairly well endowed and blessed in that area. So, you know what? You use what the good Lord gave you, right? I mean, yes, this is... To me, the best example of sex work, working out for somebody. Right. It rarely does. But when you hear about like legal brothels and things like this, I'm like, okay, that's, that's a good thing. Well, at least we don't hear about these kind of stories, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're kind of taught that sex work is on the way down to dying in the gutter is basically always the way I've heard it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Which is. I don't think that that's correct. We just don't hear those stories of people that who had enjoyed their work or done well at those, you know, that profession. It's it's a profession for a reason, y'all. Oh, and it has been forever, y'all. Yes, yes. I will say that I follow a couple of sex workers on TikTok. Oh, okay. It's really, really interesting to hear their stories. And they they, they don't tell like outlandish stories. They just explain kind of sometimes how different brothels work or how they do this. Oh, okay. It's it's Mm -hmm. not like telling sex stories. Mm-hmm. They just tell stories about their lives. And they're they're very interesting women. I, I love watching their videos. Well, I think it's good to kind of take a look at these things and understand what's really happening versus the, you know, what is out in, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, Anne, <laughs> what's kind of out there about it, right? Because like I said, I just don't think they get, you know, people who do sex work, I just don't think they're 
represented well. Portrayed in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all bad all the time. Always. So that's, always. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting dichotomy to me because the people who are so negative about sex work are the ones who are taking full advantage of illegal sex work. You know what I mean? As opposed to going yeah. to a legal brothel or something. They're like, mm-hmm. they're the ones you're going to catch in a hotel room with an underage boy. But they're the ones who are so adamant against it. And I'm like, if you just shut your yeah. hole and let people live. Right. Know. Yeah. Sorry. Soapbox off. I guess. But <laughs> I found this guy so interesting mm-hmm. in the fact that, yeah, he found a good career for him, even though I think we don't hear stories about people who have good careers as sex workers. That's all I'm saying. Right. Because then they, if you heard stories about people who had good careers at sex work, that would be promoting sex work, Erin. We right. can't do and that. And then everybody would run out and do it. And I'm like, I hope they get paid well, because there are some people I'm guessing that are clientele that probably would be difficult for some of us. To, no one else <laughs> wants to I mean? sleep with these people, yeah. period. And so you're getting paid, hopefully very well, like you said, to do the things that no one else wants to do. God love you. Right. Yeah, All absolutely. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. So yeah, his his sex work started very, very young. Mm-hmm. And... He moved that into a business. They don't yes. spend a lot of time on his childhood, but it was worth noting. And it was disturbing to me it as was. a mother. But like you said, he is yep. not ashamed of it. It doesn't seem to have affected his life other than mm-hmm. propelling him into a direction he was already going. Right. Let's see. Um, Maybe the George Cukor part. Yes. I was looking at that. Can we mm-hmm. talk about the fact that his house had seven living rooms and one bedroom? What kind of resale? What value kind of design that is that? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were like all equipped with a pull-out couch. Right. I don't know. I, yeah. I just thought that was excessive, and you're never ever going to sell that house, so <laughs> ever. Yeah. But he was known to have apparently the best parties, the best gay parties, because on Sunday mm-hmm. afternoons they had brunch with, and they have pictures and videos of beautiful naked men everywhere. Yes. Like you said, the most beautiful people in the world. I mean, that's that's the thing that I was like, you know, they talk about various stars and, you know, I've never thought about who from back in that time was gay or whatever. I just never really thought about them. But I mean, just like the old Hollywood glamour and these dudes are fucking stacked. I mean, it's amazing. You know, it's just. Yeah. 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 But they said Scotty supplied a bunch of the men Mm -hmm. to be at those brunches. Yeah. And he gained the favor of this man who was a famous director mm-hmm. and friendship. So it's not like he was never considered like a madam providing a service. Again, it comes in with he was a friend to these people. Mm-hmm. They loved him. I mean, everybody got along really well. And it was like, yes, bring, you know, your up and comers or whatever you want to call it. Like there was always yeah. new Cody Fingers talent that was coming to these parties and occasions and stuff like that. And so once he got in kind of good with George, his star was on the rise, mm-hmm. you know, and he knew everybody. So, I mean, stunning the, the names he would drop and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, it was just crazy. Uh, he talked about sleeping with Betty Davis when she was still married to some guy and they all three slept yeah. together. And I'm like, Betty fucking Davis. But then, but then it gets better. He sleeps with everybody. Literally he slept personally, not just sent people out. He slept with every single star in Hollywood, male and female. Yes. Every one of them. Yes. And he talks about Cary Grant and he talks about um, Lana Turner and I mean, just Vivian Lee. And... I mean, yes, mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. And I mean, 
you know, your Hollywood icons. Yeah. He knew all of the stuff about them. So, yeah. I mean, think about a life. I mean, he lived a life. Dude. And he, I don't know, because all of these people, even if some of them were straight, like he provided not just stars, he provided other people too, but he didn't just Mm -hmm. provide to the gay and bi community. He he provided to the straight community too. He provided women Mm -hmm. with men and men with women and everyone Mm -hmm. could be made happy here. But if they were found out to be gay, like we said, they would lose their jobs. They would lose everything. Mm -hmm. And he made a comment that was interesting when it came to Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, Mm because, you know, he discusses he had supplied her with over 150 women over like 40 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And even one of her old friends discussed how Catherine Hepburn had, you know, some long-term relationships with other women. Mm -hmm. But you know, they always tried to perpetuate that thing of Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn being a thing, even though Spencer Tracy was already married. So it was easier for the public to swallow an adulterous affair than it was for yeah. someone to be gay. Yeah, that's fucked up. A consensual gay relationship was not okay, but you can sleep with someone who's not your wife and still be married. And, you know, I I do. I just love the idea that this was a, a judgment-free atmosphere mm-hmm. to some degree. Like, they talked about all kinds of crazy shit, and it just seemed like they were like, well, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Gangbang's over here. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it was so bizarre. So I'm like, I love the idea of there being somewhere that was safe, repression-free. Mm-hmm. It was safe to be yourself. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Yes. He is married. Currently, mm-hmm. like they talk about he had his first wife, Cody Fingers, it was common law. Her name was Betty. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming she left him. He discusses how it was unfortunate that he just wasn't a monogamous person. You know, he seems to really enjoy sex with a lot of people that might make it difficult mm-hmm. to have a monogamous relationship. Yes. He did not discuss exactly what happened there, but they had a daughter together. And uh, I'm not 100% sure that they had a discussion about what he was doing on the side because he says he was still turning tricks Mm -hmm. at this point that's what he says and I find that really interesting even now with his new wife Lois Mm -hmm. who's a lovely lady Mm -hmm. and she's like a nightclub singer and I love the fact that they like met and you know what I mean it just seems so I don't know romantic and yeah she's a great voice they have her singing on this documentary she's a great voice yeah it's fun to think of her still singing I mean Mm -hmm. they have to I mean they're quite old in this yes and scotty did pass in 2019 yeah and, he and was, she is gone as well yeah he mm-hmm. was 96 years old so they show his yeah. birthday party when he turned 90 and he turned 91 which would have been 2013 2014 mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. was filmed over a few different years mm-hmm. but yeah they met in like 1980 him and lois and mm-hmm. she she makes a comment about i wish you would have told me about your previous life prior Mm -hmm. to meeting like she might have had Mm -hmm. and she makes other comments about gay people like I don't care what they do I just don't want to be in the middle of it Mm -hmm. so it's it's an interesting mix those two right because she seems fairly square and he's the complete opposite okay number one I love the fact that he says square in this (laughs) all the time and I'm like yeah yeah hepcat yeah we need to bring that back into the vernacular yeah you think he's like why don't you fall by my pad and we can ball or whatever I just (laughs) I love that old time you speak. But yeah, they have a really interesting dynamic because even to talk about the book, like he's like, she's not going to read it. Mm-hmm. And then she'll be like, I'm not going to read it. But it's almost like he's 
making her mind up for her. It's mm-hmm. it's just really bizarre because it's like when they met, he had moved on from this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't talk about it. He's a different person. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I don't know how many of us would be like, look, let's say when you got out of the war, you had a life. What was that about? Like, she didn't ask the right questions to trigger him to tell her about his, you know, crazy past. Mm-hmm. And then they get married and then she finds out about it. And she's like, oh, shit, I maybe would have made a difference to me. And I'm just like, this guy. <laughs> well, and he, yeah, because he said he did tricks up until HIV. Once yeah. AIDS got out there, he was like, it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe for him yep. to send other people out. So he kind of stopped then. So he had stopped by the time they met in the 80s. Yeah. But also something that really gave me anxiety watching this. So they walk through. He has a few different houses. He has a garage that he has storage in. He is a hoarder. Hoarder. Of epic proportions. Oh, my God. He goes into one house that he bought for $22,000. Like Mm -hmm. in the Hollywood Hills, it's probably worth a a bazillion dollars now. Yes. And he had it with his first wife, Betty. And he's like, I never really came here. I just come here like once a week to wind the grandfather clock. Why bother? You're not there. And get mail and get messages off of his legit answering machine. (laughs) Yes. And and it's just stacked with stuff and piles of stuff. Even the house. There's paper everywhere everywhere bags and boxes and Lois had said he wasn't always like this like this had just started Mm -hmm. in the last several years Mm -hmm. and I'm like at what point Lois did you think maybe I should stop him (laughs) you know what I mean don't know there's one shot where he's walking like you know when you see pictures or video of people in their houses they have these little walkways Mm -hmm. and one of the walkways there's a bunch of rolling pins and I'm like oh you know, what on earth? And then another part, somebody's put a toilet out by the curb. <laughs> but it's low flow. You don't want that. And he's like, I don't know if I need that. And then later he goes and gets it. The next shot, it's there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I yes. went back and got it. <laughs> and so, Rando again, toilet. that depression era mentality. But it hasn't been there forever. Up. So that's why it's curious to me. Is it because if he had always been a hoarder, it would make sense. Because if you grew up with mm-hmm, nothing, mm-hmm. you don't want to get rid of anything. But he didn't do that until he got, you know, in his like, what, I don't know, 70s, 80s or something. Did he start doing that? Well, I wonder if it's this this man has had some serious trauma in his life other than the sex work as a kid that doesn't seem to have bothered him. And fighting in battles and war and watching yes. people die and friends dying yes. from AIDS. He, yes, he's had a ton of tragedy in his life. And he talks about, I was always super reliable, like nothing ever really slapped him you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like and I wonder since he had to find something else to occupy his time maybe that's where this hoarding business came from yeah could be but yeah he talks about losing all the people you know and he's like not just a few people to AIDS a lot a lot of people in his Mm -hmm. you know life he lost to AIDS which is horrible and his daughter died from a botched abortion when it was illegal yep and she was 23 yeah, and I'm just like that one really hit home for me because of course we're now living in the time of going back to cutting rights yep. really yes. Yeah. in peril. So that one was that one was difficult. His brother had been killed at Iwo Jima mm-hmm. back in the day and and so you know, he talks about being active and being busy helped him cope or ignore or whatever you want to call it. Yep. So I think I mean even when this was shot 
This guy in his 90s was up and down ladders. He was all over the roof. Cutting down palm fronds. Palm trees. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like trimming up your palm trees. But like their beautiful house was completely full of stuff. And then like the porch was collapsing and like all kinds of crazy shit. Yes. So, yeah. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Not great in several instances. Yeah. Yeah. He has a garage that he shows it's packed full of stuff. And at mm-hmm. one point during the documentary, he gets a call that says that this house has been sold. Pat's house. Whoever <laughs> Pat was, Pat's house has been sold. Right. And so the garage he was using now has to be cleared out in 10 days. And mm-hmm. the look on Lois's face, like this motherfucker is going to bring more shit into my house. Like it was just like, oh, just defeat. And <laughs> poor Lois. Well, she even talks about, you know, they need help cleaning it out. And she's like, I've considered calling Social you know, services. social services, mm-hmm. because um, it could be considered elder abuse that she can't get around her own house. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not going to do that, you know, because she loves this guy. And obviously he's dealing with some stuff. But yeah, I oh mean, God, I 100 percent agree with you that it is very stressful to watch mm-hmm. all of this, you know, and like he feeds the skunks outside leftover That's birthday cake sometimes. weird. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're animals, too. I know, but they have cameras, and their cute little noses will poke the camera. They are so adorable. (laughs) They're adorable on camera. Yeah. There's a coyote that shows up out there, too. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, my. Uh, It's so weird. I mean, if the Roadrunner came over, then we'd have, like, all the Looney Tunes. It was just right out of control. Yeah. I just wonder, because if you've ever been to L.A. or most Mm -hmm. cities in California, San Diego's the same way, there's no space period they have built on every single space possible so these mm-hmm. animals are like bitch this is where i'm living now too i got nowhere <laughs> else to go right Ugh. one of his houses actually belonged to beach dickerson who was kind of a he was an actor and he was in a lot of stuff but he was just kind of like a b actor but i find it interesting that they had it seemed to have a very long-term love affair right they yeah. seemed like they were he speaks very fondly of him mm-hmm. and Beach had died a couple years prior to the filming of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if it was still a love affair after he got married to Lois. Just wondering. I mean, I don't know because you also wonder like, what was the overlap between Betty and Beach? Mm-hmm. You know, he admits that he's, I mean, I think this is a poly situation. Would you, they don't say that, but on his end, yes. Yes. On other mm-hmm. people's ends, maybe not. So I know with Betty, yes. he was out doing tricks and probably having other relationships. Yeah. Regardless of her, like he admitted, he should have been home more. He was never home. He never did much mm-hmm. with his kid. Well, I mean, he even says that she must have known, so mm-hmm. that she must have known, like in some. Right. He didn't like. He so didn't that... tell her, but. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh man, but man, what a dish she was, right? Like they had yeah. these gorgeous pictures of her and. Like their little girl and stuff. I just was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. I just I don't, I love that time period anyway with the hair and the I know amazing shoes and stuff. I just think it's super fun. I like to look at it, but I think, oh my god, did you have to dress up like that every time you went out of the house? How exhausting, That's true. right? Yeah, yeah. When you had to wear like hats and shit all the time. Oh my god, lipstick all the time. Lipstick. Hose. Yeah, like pantyhose. Yes, I was like, are you wearing hose out of the hat? Sorry. No, pantyhose. You're right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Beach Dickerson and Scotty had, you know, a very long term love. Mm -hmm. When Beach died, he left two houses and two annuities to Scotty. Mm -hmm. 
He sold one house, kept the other, which is also packed full of shit. And once Scotty dies, the house goes to Corbin Burnson, who was Beach's godson. (laughs) Yes. That's just, I don't know. It's just weird. Yes. (laughs) Do you want to talk about him spreading Beach's ashes? Well, he had talked about, so Corbin Burnson apparently, once Beach died, had wanted to do a big like rent a yacht and do a big to do mm-hmm. and spread the ashes a send off yeah yeah scotty's like no you're not getting a dime he didn't want any of that fuck you whatever mm-hmm. seems like a, a lovely relationship between corbin and scotty anyway yeah they didn't really explore like what that was all mm-hmm. about so yeah i don't know so he's like yeah he wanted to be spread you know in the hollywood hills essentially and mm-hmm. so they got the ashes they put them in the trunk of a car that was parked at pat's house in the garage next to the pat packed garage that scotty was storing Mm -hmm. stuff and there they sat for what six years yeah and then once the house sold and he had to get all this stuff out he finally Mm -hmm. broke into the car because he couldn't get the code to work but yeah the combo lock to yeah yeah, the door i'm assuming the battery died yeah jimmy the trunk trunk open gets the ashes (laughs) takes them back to the house overlooking la and then dumps them in the hole in the porch (laughs) A rotted and I'm hole like, in the porch. Okay, it's so there's no ceremony. It's like he's dumping cat litter. Um, <laughs> he takes a hose and sprays off the porch after this, and I'm like, oh, he's not very sentimental. No, which is weird because he's a hoarder, right? Well, he took the bag and he put it in a <laughs> spot that will that probably was there until he died, and then wiped his hands off and walked away. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> I mean, I get it. They're just ashes and still under the person. My thought is right. they now make it like into art and fun stuff. And I told my mom she's going to be a lawn art when she dies. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed I end up a diamond or some shit like that. Right. <sighs> Mixed into paint is some like, oh, really bad painting. Mm-hmm. Like dogs playing poker or something cool. No, anyway. I'm going to make sure you go the Jackson Pollock route. Oh, okay, sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, all right. I'm not a. I'm not opposed to that. <laughs> That's the only art I could possibly do on my own. So you know, if I have any say in it. Yes. Uh, just a picture of a giant penis. That'd be awesome. Also, so. <laughs> <laughs> something you can't hang anywhere anyway. It's gonna be a wreath of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the picture. Ooh, you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> Not only Good my time. drag name, Aretha Dix, but <laughs> now a painting. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that he was reading Cat Fancy magazine and it had like centerfolds? Of cats. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was, there is so much going on with this guy. Like, he's like the most and the least interesting person at the same time. <laughs> right. Who reads Cat Fancy? He wears the same outfit. There's pictures of him from years ago. He's wearing the same shirt. Yeah. It's like a denim shirt. Yep. Button up. Oh. Same one. And that hair. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's impressive. The one person I will say that I was most impressed that he slept with. Can you take a guess? Spencer Tracy? No. J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, yeah. Not only J. Edgar Hoover, but J. Edgar Hoover, who was dressed in drag. And he treated him just like a woman. (laughs) <laughs> how lovely yeah mm. of all the people that one caught me off guard everyone else sure Whatever. I felt so bad for Spencer Tracy because he really did not accept himself 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, aw. It's okay. When it's pushed into your brain so much. I know. I mean, and it sounded like, I mean, I would like to think that hopefully he was bi because he was married. So hopefully he had a good relationship with his wife as well. Yeah, of course. It's just a different side of him. I feel really, really bad when, so for example, Rock Hudson, who we all knew, mm-hmm. we all know now is gay because he died of HIV, right? And that's when mm-hmm. he came out. And that was kind of mm-hmm. when Hollywood was like, well, I guess we are actually kind of human. <laughs> but yes. everyone in Hollywood knew he was gay. And yes. all of a sudden an article comes out that says that, well, he's 29 and not married. If he doesn't marry by 30, he's going to have to tell us why. It's just none of your fucking business. One. But because of that article, he had to get married. So he married, like, his agent secretary or something. Some rando, yeah. Yeah. Who was also a lesbian. Yes. So it worked out well yes. in that case. Yeah. Yep. But what if he had married some woman who truly was, like, in love or enamored with him, but he can't have a real relationship with her, and she doesn't deserve that, and neither does he. It was just, it's just a horrible situation to put people in. I agree. And I mean, I think that's, you know, we're sort of hopefully out of the area of like, well, you can pray the gay away or whatever, but it's just, just let people live their life. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about the way they talked about the vice situation in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and they were like, just waiting to bust and arrest and beat and torture gay people like. Mm-hmm. At the drop of a hat. I'm laughing because it makes me uncomfortable to think about people gunning for others in this way. And so right. there was a lot of scare about going to a gay bar or whatever at this time. So it's just hard. And they even talk about like nowadays you don't realize how much more accepting people are, even though we're like, well, we've still got a ways to go. But it is better, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they really were at risk. Well, yeah, it was illegal in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So they would arrest yes. them. They, Like you said, they would just beat them up. But they would also sometimes put them in mental yeah. hospitals and chemically castrate them or lobotomize them. Or yeah. it is amazing to me what was yeah. considered okay or acceptable. Or yeah, And probably 50 years from now, people will say the same thing about shit we do. But I know. It was nice after hearing horrible stories. So... You know, he provided this service for people so they could safely have consensual relationships. Yes. Yes. But it was a time when that was illegal. Mm-hmm. And then they show him later walking. It was when California had voted to, I believe, make gay marriage legal. Yes. And mm-hmm. he was walking when people were like celebrating and there mm-hmm. were parades. And he was like, this could have never happened before. And how yeah. amazing to be able to see that happen for any of the older generation that had to live through that, had to live through so much secrecy. Yeah. I like the fact, too, that you kind of got the sense that this wasn't just people hooking up, that there were lots of people that had relationships mm-hmm. and they, you know, they were able to meet other people who were interested in, in more than just banging it out. I mean, like, there's right. nothing wrong with that if that's what you were into. But, mm-hmm. like, people met and fell in love and you couldn't do that anywhere else because mm-hmm. you were terrified that you'd out yourself or you'd lose your job or, you know, whatever. So they, they had just a community. And I just think that's so lovely. It is. Mm -hmm. Talking about banging it out though. Can we talk about the Duke and the Duchess? (laughs) (laughs) What an interesting story. 
Right. So I don't recall how he was introduced to them. I think it was uh, like someone he knew and knew of his business that introduced. So this is Wallace yes. Simpson and yep. Edward the 300. I don't know which number he was. <laughs> he was the the one who abdicated the throne Okay. for Elizabeth's father then became the mm-hmm. king, like George the sixth or something. Right. Yes. But mm-hmm. Elizabeth's father was the second born. So he was not meant to be king. This gentleman abdicated to marry Wallace Simpson because she was an American divorcee and that was not allowed. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they were still considered Duke and Duchess and they have recordings of him speaking. And I thought it was her. Um, yeah. His <laughs> voice. So was high. A shocker. Yes. Yes. It's like the first time you hear Mike Tyson speak and you're like, oh, I was not expecting that mm-hmm. voice to come out of that body, mm-hmm. which is fine, whatever. But yeah, so they get introduced to Scotty or he gets introduced to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's got a buddy that's the manager of the Beverly Hills Hotel. There are bungalows. They set that whole thing up in an easy area to access the street and whatnot. So you, it's easy for people to come and go out of this bungalow and boy, howdy, did they have a time mm-hmm. while visiting in the States. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know what? Good for them. Of any Absolutely. group that's repressed, I'm guessing the damn Royals, they need some of that. Oh, yeah. They need some Yeah, I think that um, if, if people were in zoos, it would probably be very, <laughs> very <laughs> similar because you just can't make <laughs> any moves. No. So, I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I also think, oh, I'm glad someone, maybe that's why they seem kind of cooler. I don't know. He wasn't cool. He was okay with Nazis. But you know what I mean? <laughs> it's uh, maybe they were less repressed because they were able to get that out. Yeah. So Scotty helped them with what it was that they were looking for. Again, I don't know that the graphic details of this, if you want, this is a really, in my opinion, interesting, interesting documentary. Mm-hmm. People should go and listen to it, but I don't want to. I'm not it's comfortable, not, yeah. Like, yeah, getting getting into the real nitty gritty of what people were into. No, I will say, yeah, again, he is very crass. He will describe these sexual encounters in detail. Very frank. But very also, frank. there are a couple times where there are like home videos of orgies that, listen, you can blur out the penis all you want. I still know what it is and I know what's going on. <laughs> and it just caught me off guard. And we were waiting for food to be delivered and we have a window at the door. And I'm like, what are these <laughs> the same thing we're just watching porn waiting for breakfast just (laughs) don't mind happy sunday morning to you Uh, (laughs) right we're just fun people (laughs) do you think that if you had watched this documentary before we saw the one the final member that you would not have understood what a male human man's wiener looks like i wouldn't have that blurred out video i just would have filled that in with my own idea and it probably would have come out like a dragon right exactly (laughs) And American men everywhere are like, hell yeah, dragon. (laughs) So anyway, I agree with you. You're like, oh, okay. It was just pixelated enough that you weren't going to get it removed from Hulu, but that's it. (laughs) Mm -mm. It was, um, it just caught me off guard. Gratuitous. Yes, thank you. For no reason. Yeah. Thank you. You You could use the words. I understand words. I don't need the videos all the time. Right. Sometimes I do, but not on Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. That's for Saturday nights. <laughs> I do like the fact that he seems revered in the gay community. So you mm-hmm. mentioned that some of his birthday parties are shown and they're like with all kinds of young and fun people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all 
penis-shaped cakes, which I thought was hysterical because <laughs> uh, I'm 12. Yeah, but I want yeah. a penis-shaped cake. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was really sweet that, I don't know, he just seems to have some good street cred with the right people. Right. And he, I mean, he, they show him doing a talk. So, I mean, he does some book signings and that and people talk to mm-hmm. him, but there was one that he did. There's um like a retirement place for older LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus people. And it was interesting to see them. One, I feel like they're not represented very often. Older LGBTQ plus people are very rarely represented and very rarely represented in relationships. So I think it's yep. hard for the younger generation to see that you can be in a relationship and mm-hmm. be loved and still have these Mm-hmm. bonds it seems like common sense that that would happen but if you never see it as we discussed yeah. last episode if you don't ever see these things represented it feels like it's not possible right and so it was nice to see these people talking to him and asking questions and seeing this older mm-hmm. generation represented but yeah they talked about you know asking about Catherine Hepburn or asking about and this woman you know she was probably like oh in love with Catherine Hepburn when she was younger but couldn't say sure. anything I mean yeah I'm kind of in love with Catherine Hepburn just because she's badass, right? Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was nice to see. Mm-hmm. It was really sweet. I'm sure that again he raised some eyebrows. He's just him, such a unique cat. So. He is him, and absolutely no one else. Oh, and yeah. You know, at the end, he talks about. He said, "I often think back on how nice things were." He's like, "I can't think mm-hmm. of any bad scenes at all." Right. I'm like, oh, what a life. What a fucking life he lived. It's just, I don't know. They also, they have Stephen Fry in this. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. He's a well-known gay actor in a relationship. So it's nice to have someone portrayed like that. Mm -hmm. But he had commented how, you know, he just showed that they're people. These are humans Mm -hmm. with everyday problems and issues in life. And they can be gay. And, but Scotty just kind of. All these fences we build for ourselves, Scotty just breezes right over him. He's right. Like, nope, he we he don't need doesn't that. care. Mm-mm. I think they do a really good job in this documentary, too, of showing that he is flawed, right? So mm-hmm. he's had this amazing life, but he's also a hoarder. And he's getting older and having some trouble with, you know, he mentions an arm that's given him some problems or a leg that's given him some problems. So I like the fact that they talk about, you know, he stopped some of his activities in the eighties because of the AIDS scare. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, I just found it really refreshing that he was like kind of showed the depth of a person, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is really what this whole documentary was about was that, you know, you may think, you know, stars and whatnot, but they are whole people. people yeah. <laughs> that, you know, have wants and desires and successes and failures and all kinds of crazy stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought that was adorable. Yeah. He seems like a good cat. Everyone around him loves him. He just wants yeah. to make people happy. He wants yes. people to be happy around him. And sometimes mm-hmm. probably at his own expense. But he didn't see it that way. So Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. At the end, they're talking a little bit about he's dealing with some kidney problems. Mm-hmm. And they're going to put him on dialysis. That's some of the last scenes of the documentary. This was, I mean, number one, he's like legit 100 years old. <laughs> and Number two, he'd been given some anti-malaria drugs back in the day that they didn't really understand that they were going to have long-term consequences of kidney mm-hmm. failure and blah, 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 while he was in the service. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and he made a comment, I would, I should have never taken those drugs. And my thought process is, okay, I don't know if you know anything about malaria, 
but it's pretty gnarly yeah. and it keeps coming back your whole life and you probably wouldn't have lived to be 96 years old. Yeah. And at yeah. 97 years old, most things are failing anyway. And I, I don't want anyone to have to go through this, but at the end, I'm of like, course. this is a very small thing to reach mm-hmm. this, this age and now have a problem. Right. So. So yeah, I, I'm just fascinated by this guy. Unfortunately, Lois dies in 2018, which we mentioned earlier, and then Scotty dies a year later at mm-hmm. the ripe old age of 96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like the fact that, you know, there's some question about whether this book and the details provided within are real, but there are people in the documentary who vouch for him, and also Gord Vidal comes out and kind of vouches for the validity of this book. So mm-hmm. there are people who, even though it's amazing and kind of crazy there are people who are like yeah this was a thing and I love the fact that they talk about that we sort of lost some of this history right think of Cary Grant who mm-hmm. was living with oh what's his name I didn't write it down Rudolph Randolph Scott Randolph Scott another beautiful uh, these two were so pretty together stunning stunningly beautiful mm-hmm. and they lived together and the whole world thought they just were like a Roommates. couple swinging bachelors. You know what I mean? Yes, they have articles about single bachelors at home together. And I'm like, okay, yeah. how stupid are you? But, but sure. the people in Hollywood knew they mm-hmm. they were a couple. They were in love. They, you know, had mm-hmm. a great relationship. I mean, that's sort of what it's talked about here. So I think it's really funny that, you know, the same thing with, you know, what you're talking about, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer, Spencer Tracy. Tracy, that, yeah, this was a marketing ploy for the general public for you know the movie industry to gain more revenue when people believed that they were a thing whether or not he was cheating on his wife or whatever Mm -hmm. but like people around knew that they were not together right you know what I mean so it's it's funny to me the selectivity I guess decades in the past so Right. And they showed Catherine Hepburn reading, you know, letters many years later when she was much, much older and past the still mm-hmm. keeping that facade. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how horrible that even at the end, you could be like, listen, that was bullshit. It was all fucking bullshit. I, I mean, know. but she was successful her whole career. Yeah. Pushing that line. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm not surprised. It's unfortunate. I absolutely agree. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's, you know, that kind of shit works, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I will say one, I really liked the documentary, even though it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. That was very well done. Yep. Do not watch it with kids around. Also, Netflix did a show very loosely based on this. (laughs) Okay. And it's called Hollywood and it is so fun and so good. Okay. And I recommend everyone watch it. And again, it's very loosely based on this. And then they kind of mix in fantasy because in the end, people are allowed to be gay in public. And we all know that's not really what happened, but it's mm-hmm. nice to dream. Yeah. I mean, 50 years later. Yeah. That we're allowed, allowed to be gay in public. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. The photography in this, it's so fun to see. I mean, most of the pictures. Oh my gosh. Sometimes there are pictures of guys fighting naked, which was sort of funny. Like the boxing everywhere. Peens everywhere. (laughs) You're like, oh, okay. (laughs) But yeah, just in here, the stories and I don't know, it's it's just fun. It is. It's really good. The the subject matter gets occasionally difficult. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it's just really interesting to see this guy's take on his life. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Okay. What are we going to talk about next week, Erin? So next week, we're going to talk about the worst roommate ever. This is on Netflix. It's a series, so we're not really sure exactly. We've we've had a couple of recommendations 
from people at work on which episodes to focus on, but we're going to try to make it the best we can for our purposes for the podcast. Mm -hmm. We might cover one. We might cover Mm -hmm. them all. You just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So then we'll ask you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at GoDocYourself. Yeah, so. That's it. There you go. That's all we got for this week. (laughs) So I recommend everyone go watch Hollywood on Netflix. And That's right. Hopefully you're on spring break and you you need a little bit of fun and, I don't know, whimsy, sounds like. So, yeah. (laughs) Yep. All right, guys. Until next time. Later. Bye. Bye.